0: So, I have this wonderful task of, shall we just read the wedding at Cana? Is that okay? Let's just read that first, I think, um, before I begin to get into this a little bit. It's in John chapter 2. I don't know if, the, does this come on behind my head? Does it? Oh, no, no, no. oh, so if you haven't got your Bible, you've obviously know it. Um, who knows this passage? I don't need to bring my Bible to church. I know the passage. Who knows it? Nobody, okay. Uh, well, listen, just listen, or on your iPad or iPhone or whatever, or if you're a traditionalist and you use paper. John 2, verse 1. On the third, say third day. Third going to be important, you see. A wedding took place at Cana in Galilee, and Jesus, can you say Jesus' mother? She was there as well. That's going to be important as well. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. And when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby, can you say six stone water jars? A bit of a tongue twister, isn't it? Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used, that's important, we're going to talk about it in a moment, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, so they filled them to the brim. And then he told them, now draw some out, take it to the master of the banquet. And they did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine, and he did not realize where it had come from though the servants who had drawn the water, they knew. Then they called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum where with his mother and brothers and his disciples, and there they stayed for a few days. Amen. So, what a great story. I don't know if that happened to you at your wedding. There's three important details that we're going to look at. You've already shouted them out, so I'll test you. For the purpose of live stream, you're going to have to be very loud. What was the first one? Third day. Second one? Wow, you are so intelligent. That's what I like about this church. But can you go for the third one? I'm not sure you can. Third one? Oh, my job is done. And I want to use this story and I'm going to tell you by the end of the message, you should believe in this great place, knowing that Jesus is good, knowing that Jesus will make a way, and knowing that Jesus will turn your water into wine. In every generation, there are two questions going on. The church is is having to discover the answer to the question, who is Jesus? Whilst the world that the church sits in is continuing to discover experientially, um, philosophically, What on earth is life all about? What what is the purpose for it all? And that's gone on uh, for a long, long time. History tells us that 500 years before Christ, the Greeks were asking in their changing world, what was the abiding principle? What was the reason for life? And their conclusion was summed up in one word, word, which is the English translation of the word that they used, which was logos. For them, logos' word was something that shaped our lives in this world. Logos was preexistent, and it bridged the gap between whoever God is and their world. The Jews, that's the Greeks, the Jews also believed in the word, Logos. For them, the word was created before the foundations of the world. It had creative powers. It accomplished God's purposes and is the source of revelation to the prophets. What was it called? It was called the Torah, the revelation found in the first five Old Testament books. Word, Logos, and the Torah, trying to answer the meaning of life. And here in 2021, though there's lots of different change of language, change of culture, pretty much nothing has changed people searching for the meaning of life. Perhaps 50 to 70 years after Jesus, his loved disciple John writes his gospel. And this series, we're going to look through all the gospels of the encounters of Jesus. But here we are in John, and, and he's looking back And he's fully aware of the Greek position. And he's fully aware of the Jewish position regarding the meaning of life, the reason for it all, why we're here, and our purpose for life. And this is how John starts his gospel, and it's superb. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. From the springboard of the Logos and Torah, John is going to go on in his gospel to record that Jesus is the bread, the light, the door, the shepherd, the resurrection, and, and the life, the way, truth, and life, the vine. And he does so taking two simple words that Moses would not use because they're so holy for God. I am but more than this, in order to demonstrate who Jesus is, John says right at the end of my gospel, of his gospel, he says this, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his, his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. And so then John tells seven miracles, of which the first miracle is the wedding at Cana. One final thing to say before we get into it is this. Twenty years before John writes the gospel, something has happened which is momentous and a very important event. Far-reaching consequences, and that is that the second temple was destroyed in AD 70. 70. And John throughout this whole gospel and here, especially in the miracle, he's showing that Jesus is the fulfillment and indeed the replacement of Jewish festivals and the temple. The point being is this, though that the temple has been destroyed, God has not left He hasn't lifted his presence. In fact, through Jesus, God is here more than at any other time. That's the whole thing of John's gospel. So let me start you with the first miracle, John says, and he gets into this wedding. And I believe a number of things that John is wanting to tell us is this, that Jesus is good. He is goodness. I'm not sure if you've ever been to a wedding from hell. (laughs) I'm not sure if it's your own personal experience, Um, and I don't want to to go back into the skeleton cupboard of your life, but I notice that you are looking at your husband. (laughs) Don't worry about it, heaven will be a better place. But the closest one to hell that I've ever officiated at was when the bride, um, well, I don't know if you were, brides, were you late, just a little bit late? I mean, you've waited all your life to be a bride, and you're late, I don't know what that's about, but culturally, uh, you know, I think right across the world, I think there's this expectation that suddenly brides just wanna let the groom sweat a bit. Well my wedding from hell that I officiated this this bride, even after thirty minutes we were looking for her, and I thought I mean I looked at the groom and thought, well, you know, unlucky. Um <laughs> you know. So anyway I went out on the street to try and find her, and if I call her, if I can't find her, I'll find somebody else. And <laughs> and anyway I found her. She was wearing a wedding dress. And the reason why she was late was her father was absolutely blind drunk. And I thought, well, this is the first time. So we took him in through the back way, I threw coffee down him like there was no tomorrow, just to try and get him to stand up. And it was the most shameful, embarrassing. The family were all embarrassed, they are all rolling their eyes, and I was trying to, oh, it's fine, don't worry, it's okay. And it was the most embarrassing thing for the family. When things go wrong, at certain events, like the one that we're reading about when they've run out of wine, the family can become very embarrassed and very ashamed. And you don't need to be making a context about a wedding. Today, you may have come into church, maybe watching, and um, in your family, there's a, there's a shameful story. Or, or maybe there's an embarrassing story that you personally are carrying, and you can't shake it off because it's actually very present right now and you, 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 you're trying to fix it, but you can't fix it. Um, this elderly disciple, 50 years, I, I don't know if you, when you recall a story, 50 years, maybe 70 years later, and you remember certain details, it's trying to communicate something very important, and this elderly disciple remembers that it was the third day It's an important little detail, because in the creation order, the third day was good, because it was the day when all the fruit trees were created, and the vines that produced the grapes that brought the wine. It was a day of blessing, but more than that, it was a double blessing day. Why was it a double blessing day? Well, every other day, we know that the most famous commentary on every single day was God looked at what he created and said, hey, that was good. But on the third day, God says it twice. He says, hey, that was good. And then again, he goes, whoa, hey, that was, that was good. It's like God said, whoa, that was really good what I did on the third day. It's a double blessing day. Now, what day would you like to be married on? Do you want to be married on the first day, second day, fourth day, fifth. do you want to be married on a day that's just got a single blessing purpose? Or do you want to be married on the day of great blessing, a double blessing? Every bride said, how want I be married on the double blessing day? Because, you know, I need all the luck. You, you, you haven't seen him. I need all the look I can get, really. And, uh, you know, this one's going to be a trick. I, I've got him for life. So I need a double blessing for on this particular day. So they would choose the third day. It's the most popular day to get married. And, um, It was a day of blessing. Until the blessing runs out. Until everything about goodness is now taken away. You and I know how easy a story can just change. A story of what's really good, it was going really, really well, and then it just flipped over and something happened. This story tells us that Jesus is good. And in the creation order, what God creates and what God orders and when God steps in, he steps into goodness because he creates goodness. And and, uh, you and I made in the image of Christ, made the image of God, are made for goodness. Uh, As you walk with Christ, as you've accepted Christ into your life, and you are a Christian who's following Jesus, you are a man and woman who's made for goodness, amen? amen? And everything about your context, all of your life, the enemy of your soul is continually bombarding you through circumstance, through through uh, situation, even through voices perhaps, uh, doubts in your mind to say, you're not good. Uh, you look at the Bible and you've got all kinds of characters. David Looked at himself in the mirror, said, I, I'm, On two occasions, David said, I'm a flea. Then he said, uh, I'm a dead dog. And then David said, I'm a worm. Da- da- he said, I'm a worm. David had problems, you know. And uh, I-, I don't know if you if you look in the mirror of your life and, and, you-, and you despise some things about your story. Uh, Moses looked at himself and said, I-, I can't do this. Gideon said, I'm the weakest in my family. Uh, and it goes on, the list goes on, and the negativity that comes against our lives, against our circumstances, and we need to think about our purpose in this world, and we need to think about him, that he is a good shepherd. We we've got good news and uh, we're called to be a good Samaritan. And and the, the truth is that Jesus is good and he has created you and he's fashioned you into goodness. And we need to trumpet that and voice that more and more and more. Second thing I want to say, and I don't know about the, I find that the, when I've preached here uh, in BCC, that the, the clock in the second service goes faster than the clock in the first service. I think because maybe in the first service we're a little bit tired, so we slow it down a little bit. But in the second service, it's just flight, there's a clock, you see it there, there. It's, going fly. I'm sh- it's going fast, it's going fast. Somebody slow it down, that's, that's it. Okay, slow it down more. Second thing I want to say is that not only is Jesus good, he will make a way. Jesus will make a way. See, the, the second detail is this, that Jesus' mom was there. Jesus' mother was there. And as his mother, you, you know, if you're a mom today, you know that your son can do it. Or daughter. Or oh, they can do it. You know, they, they, they can do anything. Why? Because they're mine. And um, she knew Jesus she knew that he could make all things right again. She knew that he could make a way. Uh, we, we don't know very much of those 30 years that Jesus had with Mary, but Mary knew those 30 years. She heard from Jesus. In fact, actually, Mary changes over the 30 years from being the maternal mother to being the, uh, the follower of Jesus, and, and, and Jesus' response in that story is, dear woman, uh, which is an interesting detail. Uh, and, and Jesus uh, says to, to Mary, uh, my hour has not come, and he, he would continually say that throughout the gospel on many different occasions uh, until the moment that he's hours away from the cross and then says things like, Father, the hour has come, glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. John would would, um, not mention Jesus' mother again until she's from this this moment to the cross while she's kneeling at the cross and uh, realizes that this is the hour, this is the reason why Jesus came. Um, I'm, I'm sure our prayers each day have been along the same lines of what Mary said to the party at that wedding Uh, do whatever he tells you. I'm sure our prayers have. oh, Jesus, whatever you want, I'll I'll do. Jesus will make a way in your life if you step into alignment with what he is doing. He cannot make a way in your life if there's disobedience. Uh, Jesus was the way, the truth, and life. Jesus was obedient to the Father. Jesus had to step into alignment with God in order to make a way for salvation for the whole world. And he learned obedience through the wilderness, he learned obedience in the Garden of Gethsemane. He, uh, the writer of Hebrews would say that he offered up prayers and he learned obedience. And we have to spend our whole life learning to do what we are told. We live in a world where you're just free to do whatever you are, whatever you want to do, just be a free person, you know, and don't let anybody tell you what to do. No, that's not you as a Christian, not me as a Christian. As disciples of Jesus, we have to be told what to do, and that is by God. Direct my steps, Lord. Tell me. Order me. That's the image of Christ. You see, what we've heard this morning wasn't amazing. That was just amazing about stewardship. It's God first. You know, we are second. We're not first. And if if you want Jesus to make a way in your life, which He He will make a way, then you need to put Him first, not second. And and putting Him first is not only church attendance, but it's a, it's about attendance every single day of your life before Him, in worship, devotion, in prayer. And walking as a Christian in your work, in your home, in your neighborhood, it's God first. If you do God first, he will make a way. That's how it works. The third detail, and I'm going to ask Pastor Kevin to come up and get ready for uh, our final song song here. Um, Not only is Jesus good, not only will Jesus make a way in your life, but... Here's the interesting thing he can turn your water into wine. Another detail 50 years, 70 years later is John remarkably remembers there were six stone water jars there. It's such an impact upon him. 20 gallons at least of water. They were used for ceremonial washing. Culturally, What's that about? It's about making you acceptable before other people and before God. That's what they're there for. And this is an important detail. <laughs> when the water was turned into a wine, and then the juice came out and took it to the master, can you imagine then just stepping forward and saying, "Oh, I've not wash my hands. And then you go in. Whoa, what's all this? I was expecting water. It's all wine. It's quite comical. It's lovely. What's the whole point of it? It's this. The jars filled with wine speak of the blood of Jesus, the death of Christ, the blood of Jesus. At his last supper, he would take the cup of wine and say, this wine is not wine. This is my blood, which I'm pouring out for you. And when John looks back at that six stone water jars, water into wine, the water which was all about people trying to make make their own way in life, But then it's turned into wine and it's a symbol of actually you can't do it. You cannot make your own way in life. It's Jesus and Jesus only who can do that for you. John remembers that actually it is the blood of Jesus Christ that makes the difference in this world. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that makes a way where there doesn't seem to be a way. And it's the blood of Jesus. Where will it start? It won't start in some miraculous Messiah-proof declaration which we will discover in the series of people's blind eyes being opened and the lame dancing. But it will start in a shameful story of a family where it was good and it's just something's happened and we feel so embarrassed. We feel we can't just show ourselves in public anymore because of what's happened in the story of our life. Is there anyone there who can turn our our water into wine. Is there anyone who can turn it for us? And John says, I still believe. I still believe 50, 70 years ago. I know that Jesus can fix it for you. <laughs> The word became flesh. At Cana, the water became wine. And at the cross, the old covenant became new again. After all your efforts and all your attempts of trying and trying, and then you're realizing, I'm failing. It's another decade that's gone by, and I'm still failing by my own efforts. Jesus steps in, and he can step in right now, on this day in 2021. A once-in-all-time sacrifice, and it's like heaven declares you have saved the best till now when God steps in to your life it's always the best there is no equal to it our lives are built on the saving cleansing redeeming justifying reconciling eternal sanctifying overcoming power of the blood of Jesus amen Amen. the master says the master says you've saved the best till now This is it. This is the best wine. This is the fulfillment. And out of something that represents your own efforts to make it in life is somebody that is acceptable. Jesus comes and works a miracle, a sign for who he is. He turns up and good things begin to happen. Follow him and anything is possible. He can turn your water into wine. I want to say to you this. In seeking after the glory, we've, we've sung it this, this, this morning. We're seeking the glory of God to be revealed. In our desire for his presence, our desire for power in our life and in BCC. It's not difficult. Why don't we just do something simple? Because across your street, in your family, in your neighborhood, in your workplaces, there are people whose story has turned sour. And we don't need an inquiry. You don't need to say, oh, I'll do some forensic work. We'll we'll put it on social media and have all kinds of opinions of what's happened in your life. No. Why don't we do something that Jesus wants to do, and that is to cover the pain and cover the humiliation of people's lives and says, you know what, I'm here to help your life become better. Because I believe that Jesus is good. I believe that he will make a way. And I believe that Jesus turns water into wine. He turns all your efforts into something beautiful. because all you trying to be acceptable in this world, I've got something so beautiful that you will become acceptable in heaven. You'll become acceptable in eternity. And it will begin right now because of the blood of Jesus Christ who is over your life. Why don't you welcome Jesus? Why don't you welcome Jesus? Welcome Jesus. The power of the blood has not gone away. It's here today. It's not a story. It's as powerful today as it has ever been. It's here right now on live stream. It's here in this wonderful place. The power of the blood of Jesus. He is good. And he's made you for goodness stop listening to anything else and he will make a way what a great song that is he will make a way Amen. Uh, I've, I've not sung that song this was the first time and uh, I'd, I'd asked I'd asked Kevin whether Pastor Nick had wrote it and it wasn't Pastor Nick so was it Paola? did Paula write that? it was a collaborative effort was it? They are good, aren't they? For the purpose of the live stream, I've probably broken all copyright rule there. But what a great song that Jesus will make away. He'll fix it. Do you need things to be fixed today? Why don't we just sing a little bit? I'm going to come back and pray. Thanks, Kevin.